Welcome to the Red Letter Christians podcast. Red Letter Christians gets our name from the Bibles that highlight the words of Jesus in red. And we're aspiring to live as if Jesus meant the stuff he said. We know that the loudest, most prominent voices representing Christianity in America haven't always been the most beautiful or the most faithful voices. And we know that the way we change the narrative is by changing the narrators. We are committed to amplifying the voices of people who are dedicated to Jesus and to justice. Hello, everybody. Thanks for joining us for the show today. Uh, I am so excited. I'm Shane Claiborne. I'm your host. And we talk about faith every week uh, and how it connects to the world that we live in, how our faith is not just a ticket into heaven, but uh, how it actually fuels the work that we do right here on earth as we seek to dream, to bring God's dream on earth as it is in heaven. And I always get to have some really interesting uh, conversation partners and guests, but today you are in for a treat because not only do we have one guest, but we have two. Um, <laughs> and one of them is Katie Jo Brotherton, my wife um, of some 11 years almost mm-hmm. now. Yep. And um, she's joined me a few times, uh, but this time she's really excited because she knows our other guest better than I do. He is uh, the principal at Only High School around the corner from us. Katie worked with him for a while. He's a a distinguished, award-winning principal Uh (laughs) in the city of Philadelphia, Uh, Michael Roth. Mike Roth, uh, I don't know if we should call you Principal Roth or what. but um... Um, You can call me Mike, no problem. No problem. Mike is fine. But I'm going to let Katie introduce the show because she uh, was really, really excited, not just to, you know, reconnect, but, um, at, you know, the wisdom that you offer all of us on on the kind of stuff we're talking about. So, uh, honey, take it from here. Great. I actually worked for Mr. Roth as a third grade kind of substitute during a maternity leave. It was totally yeah. random how we met, actually. <laughs> you were more than a substitute because you you filled in. I mean, you were the you were the teacher there. Yep. I loved it. That was one of my favorite teaching experiences. But the reason I wanted to bring Mr. Roth on the show was I was talking with a friend about you and her question was, how does he do it? Mm. How does he keep going? And I said, I, you know, I don't know. I'll have to ask him next time I talk to him. And then I came home and told Shane, I said, we we have got to have Mr. Roth on the program because One, we don't get many educators in general because they're too busy and just don't have time Mm, because so much of their life is devoted to their students and yours is devoted to your students and your teachers and staff and all that's involved in being a principal. So I think that's probably our our launching pad is is how do you keep going amidst, you know, you're in a public school in Philadelphia. Um, It's funny. I, I I I have this conversation with my wife. Often, my uh-huh. wife. Um, I'm. I mean, I'm going to mention her right away because mm-hmm. um, I, I could not do this job without my wife having to sacrifice mm-hmm. and pick up a lot of my slack, you know, from that. Um, and uh, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be. I. I would not be able to do this job without a good partner by my side mm-hmm. and some of the sacrifices. Uh, that she has made hands down. Um, mm. I think uh, another part of that, I mean, what brought me into education in Philadelphia, um, what brought me to Philadelphia really was 
you know, my faith um, and mm. feeling like I, you know, wanted to make a difference in this world and not, you know, just live for myself. Um, I don't think I knew <laughs> quite to that level what that commitment would be. I did not yes. be a principal uh, when I first came to the school district of Philadelphia. <laughs> I kind of just slowly progressed that way and ended up in that position over mm. time as I went through my education. And um, I do, I do see it as such an important essential role. It is, mm. it, it is a lot. There is a lot mm. of weight there. I'm, I'm actually transitioning a high school right now. Um, a charter school lost their charter and I was asked mm. if I would transition this. And I, I mean, right now, the place I'm in, like I'm, I am, I'll be honest, I'm like kind of barely hanging on and I'm just yeah. kind of keeping that like one step at a time um, mm. mentality. But, but I, I think like knowing like how valuable the work is, right? Like yeah. knowing that like, this is a chance to love people and care for people. And I am with people all the time. So it does energize me in ways too. Um, you know, that just, just being around kids, uh, being around staff that like love kids, like that's, mm -hmm. that to me is a huge energy drive. Like when I see a staff member that loves kids and they're doing great teaching, right. Because I'm like, mm -hmm. you can love kids and be a lousy teacher. And I think right. like, Hey, this probably isn't the place for you. You know, it's like, right. Go, go love kids in some other way, but Sesame Place is hiring. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there you go. Yep. So, so like that. I mean, you know, my family, faith, mm. um, uh, exercise. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I need to relax. Netflix, just like chill. yeah, um, and, and, and kind of knowing like wh where to set some boundaries. Um, there, there is a time like you could just get all consumed in this work, and so like. Mm something that has kept me is setting boundaries. I did take a sabbatical last year. Um, oh, nice. And, yeah. And that really re-energized me. I think had I not done that, I probably mm. would have stepped down from being a principal. But after doing that, I do feel reinvigorated. I feel re-energized. Um, mm. So yeah, I would say uh, th those are uh, some of the things that that really do uh, sustain me in the work. Um, yeah, and yeah. And, you know, the, the challenges are so huge. And there's a lot of folks that are listening in, probably in other countries that don't maybe know exactly the pulse of how challenging our school system is. You know, I mean, we've um, we've got schools that have to let out because they don't have air conditioning in right. the summer. You know, Katie's worked in some of those. You've, you know, like been in these schools where the roof is leaking. Yes. Um, and, you know, we've got money for war, but not money for <laughs> to fix yeah. the roofs of our schools. Yeah. You yes. know, um, uh, so, so many things like uh, the, the lead in the, in the water. Yeah. I mean, there's just every day it yeah. feels like. And then you've got the gun violence, right? That we're, yeah. we're in right. Philadelphia. Yeah. We've got the highest gun violence we've ever had in the history of our city um so i mean those are all you're not just a principal or a teacher you're navigating all these other things and some folks are using that you know as a way to posture themselves politically and go yeah the the, the public schools we've got to defund them and it's the charter mm -hmm. schools and so you know i'd love to hear your thoughts on how we find common ground to pursue like a good education for every kid without avoiding the pit holes of just like, this is about charter schools or public schools. How do you navigate that conversation, Mike? Yeah. I think, I think first of all, like you said, a lot of things that are very real and very heavy and why this work is so challenging. So like, mm -hmm. like if you go into it, like you're going to be confronting these issues, like these environmental issues, violence issues. Um, 
but like there's there's a lot of good with within that. And so you you kind of bring up the, this this like charter school versus public school. I've, I've worked in charter schools. I've worked in public schools. To me, um, I, I'll be honest. I wish we just had a great public school in every neighborhood, and there was not even a question of like why do you need a charter school, right? Yeah. Um, because like I think the charter school is trying to meet a need of something that doesn't exist, whether that's like a poor facility or um, inexperienced educators in a public school. Right. Um, all the all these issues that start to stress parents out, maybe a, a, a unsafe learning environment. Mm-hmm. Um, I I do think what you talked about. I mean, we are the richest nation in the world, right? There is there is we have the largest GDP in the world. It is insane to me that we are still fighting over resources for education. Which to me, there there is no better pathway to helping kids into that next stage in life than giving them a good foundation and a good education. And I mean, we live in Philadelphia. We have some of the nicest schools in the world. Mm -hmm. Springside Chestnut Hill Academy. You walk onto that campus. It is like a college campus that has every single thing that a student would want and dream of every facility. And I don't begrudge them for that. Mm -hmm. I just wish that every student in Philadelphia had that same opportunity Mm -hmm. and that same type of facility in school. And, and there's no reason that, that, there's no reason that we couldn't do that if we mm-hmm. had the will politically to do that or um, we were willing to sacrifice resources somewhere else, whether that's for our military or for some other. Right. Yeah, that, that old bumper sticker says it'll be a good day when the Air Force has to have a bake sale to get a bomber. And <laughs> yeah. I've, never there, right? <laughs> I've never seen Which, that. I've never seen that. Which you've done a lot to make only get a lot of resources. I just saw that y'all did the first musical in 25 years, a few years ago. Right. Yeah. Put, which is amazing. Like yeah. bring, how, how crazy it is to bring arts into our school is like, you know, so rare right now. And it has yeah. been for a long time to have your first musical. Yeah. And if you really, I mean, to me, that's where like being a good leader is, is like part of being a good leader is just making sure your folks who you hire feel mm-hmm. empowered to do those things. Yeah. Cause I didn't, I didn't really do anything with that other than say like, Hey, I'm going to support you in this, get you the resources right. and yeah. kind of clear out some of the hurdles for you that would prevent you from doing that. And that person's dream, that person's vision, feeling them feeling empowered is what really yeah. got that mm-hmm. moving. And I think that's so much of education in general. Like that's, that's the, in my mind, a good school leader is knocking down walls and saying yes to people who are creative and inspired. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. So I, I wanted to talk a little bit about that creativity because, you know, there's there's that one definition of, um, you know, insanity is doing the same thing over and over, even though it's not working. And it seems like we do that on a lot of fronts that we, um, you know, it, it, I mean, in our school system, it, the last statistics I heard were almost half of our young people are dropping out before the end of high school, 40 percent or something. I don't know if that's still the statistic, but um, it might be in our zip code, too. We have I think it was three percent of our population has any post high school education. Mm-hmm. So associates or bachelors. And so those are some real challenges. Um but, you know, you, Katie, I, I don't even know if I knew the word foldable, um, but like she's done all kind of, she's got all these like really, really massively creative ways of 
enlivening education. And we, I mean, we've blown up stuff in our backyard in science experiments. We've done all kinds of really cool stuff. And, um, but it it feels like we've got to think outside the box a little bit, you know, and you're doing that, Katie's doing that. And what, what what does that look like? What what are maybe a story or a few examples of how we can try some new things? Yeah. um, I think I I will say first off, I, I, I actually think there are some things we can do that aren't necessarily new or mm. that, that imaginative that would make a huge impact. And I think we almost mm. need to start with those things first. Mm. Um, like it's proven that like lowering class sizes, especially yes. lower grades would improve student outcomes. Yes. Yet we still have, you know, classes that are 30 students in a kindergarten class. Yep. And, um, you know, one of the most successful big cities in the United States is uh, Washington, D.C., and they have some of the lowest class sizes yeah. in the nation. Um, what that takes is that takes resources. Um, mm-hmm. I, I would like to see some of those basic things first. I would like to see world-class facilities that when yeah. students walk into a building, they're not worried about asbestos or lead. Yes. Um, <laughs> that they're proud of the building that they walk into. Um, mm-hmm. that the community can feel proud of that. Um, just making sure that the basic resources are there. Um, and then the other thing I would say where, where maybe we... we I think we need to be more creative as a nation and, and just put more money where our mouth is. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we need to make efforts to recruit more teachers of color. Um, yes. in our, um, and I also believe that to do that and to also keep really good teachers, we need to think about higher pay for teachers that are working in our most underserved school communities. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And I think if we do some of those things and do them really well, we would see tremendous improvement yeah. within our education system without having to do something like really crazy. Because uh, I saw Arnie Duncan, the secretary of education speak one time and he said something that stuck with me. He said, I'm not looking for like the next superstar, superhero, superwoman mm-hmm. principal. I'm looking for systems that mm-hmm. work, lift everyone up. And I think mm-hmm. that's a really good point. I think we need systems yeah. that lift everyone up as opposed to like relying on one person who's going to go above and beyond, above and beyond, and maybe even burn themselves out personally. But, but then that situation is great, but we have all these other fires going on around it because, because we haven't created systems that work for everyone. So I I know that might not necessarily speak to like this really creative approach, but I think we actually have a lot of the answers now. And I'm Mm. like, just got to do these things really well and invest in them. Um, And it's not rocket science. Like we can make improvements. With yeah, that, with that said, there's room for creativity always. And I think that's where it comes up to the teacher and in the classroom and empowering them to do that. Right. Yeah. So I just want to pause to welcome people that might just be tuning in. Uh, I'm Shane Claiborne and uh, we're, this show is uh, airs every week and we get to have some great conversations. And today you've been listening to uh, Mike Roth, who is a principal right here in the neighborhood where Katie and I live. And my co-host today is my (laughs) wife, uh, Katie Jo Brotherton. So we've been talking about education and specifically, you know, public education. And um, I I think it's also cool to talk with you, Mike, just because um, thinking about the work that we do vocationally Mm -hmm. uh, um, is holy work, you know, and, 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 We read a quote in prayer this morning uh, from Meister Eckhart that was about how um, 
the work we do doesn't make us holy. We make it holy, you know, Mm -hmm. by bringing our full selves, by giving it all our prayer and attention. And it feels like you're really doing that. And, uh, you know, I think for anybody listening in to think of, you know, sometimes we compartmentalize missions to think of these people going to foreign Mm -hmm. lands or something, but we need to rethink that to just say, hey, we need public school principals and teachers and nurses and doctors that are thinking missionally about the holy work that they're doing with their lives. And um, faith is what fuels uh, uh, Michael and um, uh, to do this work. And, um, and, and, you know, you were just telling us that we, we, we need creativity, but we also just need to do the things that we work. It's not uh, that we know that work. It's not, you say it's not rocket science, but it might be social science, you know, right? just, just yeah. figuring out like what what's working in the schools and what are the challenges? Yeah. So Katie, what you, what, are, you know, I was thinking about race and we, you know, Katie's done a lot of work thinking about um, some of the dynamics that you said, we have a lot of teachers that are white that are doing great work in some of the, the schools here. White women. We're the yeah. largest demographic of teachers in the country, yeah. right? We're like 80 something percent. Yeah, I would say yeah. that's true within the school district of Philadelphia as well. Yeah. For sure. And we're one of the most diverse cities, Philadelphia, and yet yeah. our teaching base. So, I mean, in our country, in almost every conversation happening right now, we see the residue of racism and and of um, the impact that race has. I was thinking about a study that I was um, uh, reading in Philadelphia that said we have desegregated schools, but we still have segregated budgets. And it lined up. Um, the schools showing um, just by the racial makeup of the school, the schools with the most white students had the most money. And it didn't matter whether they were in the city or the suburbs, it, the, like the demographics. And it wasn't just class. It was still really a um, the, the, the race was the kind of continuing like like the consistent thing. And you mm-hmm. see it in, in disciplinary measures, right? Detention and all that. So maybe talk a, bit, a little bit, both of you, about the you know, this principality and power that is really hurting so many people and, and kind of ha- manifests itself in a lot of different ways, whether it's funding or how we, mm-hmm. you know, um, uh, deal with behavioral difficulties and things like that. Yeah. Well, I think I think first and foremost, I mean, you said it, I think I mean, there's systemic there, there is no doubt that there is systemic racism in our educational system. I mean, and you just have to look no further than the facilities and the funding structure that we have. Um so I think that is a really good approach to trying to, to, to make improvements in this area is to make sure that there is equitable funding uh, mm-hmm. for our schools. Um, and, and I did mention, I, I think we need more teachers of color because I think students should see people that look like them in the classroom. And that doesn't mean if you are white that you shouldn't show up in Philadelphia and love kids. You should. If that's your heart, you should. And you may do great work. Um, but I do think, and I've seen over the years, Students who see a teacher that looks like them, mm-hmm. who has maybe their background experience, and there is a special connection and a special bond that does occur from that. Um, but I think some of those things to do that, like we we need some intentionality around uh, recruiting and training teachers of color. Um, and I think we also need some more incentives that people want to go into this field. And that doesn't just apply to, to folks of color, but, uh, but all educators, but I think it would have a, a great impact. Um, mm-hmm. The other thing I would just say is um, we're reading a book by Zaretta Hammond about culturally responsive teaching. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of her, her main ideas is that part of this, this liberation of, of students is 
not also teaching under the old way that we all grew up learning, maybe the, the white, right. the white tradition of, you know, I teach you do, but really this idea of like students sharing the cognitive load and putting more of the work onto the students and releasing that control over the class and empowering students to become self-regulated learners and not just somebody that is reproducing right. what I'm asking you to do, but where you're really, you really have to analyze, think, create. Um, and I think that kind of goes, I'm hearing Katie, some of the things that you were doing in your class. It's like, let's, let's empower our students to do something different, to think outside mm -hmm. the box. Um, and that's something that we, we need to break out of this old, more mm -hmm. traditional model of like, I do it now you do it the way I did it. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You've done a lot of thinking on this, Katie, too, seeing how like some other countries are seem to be ahead of us on this and how they're thinking about education mm -hmm. and how far behind we are on on some of that. You got thoughts on that? I mean, one of the, <laughs> you got lots of thoughts, thoughts <laughs> but one of the biggest ones is what Mr. Roth was saying earlier is classroom size. Like most countries cap at about 16 for a, for a classroom, which is then you have that freedom. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. To do like uh, I think in Sweden, one of the uh, classes kindergartners can take is woodworking. Right. So you have the freedom with 16 children to mm -hmm. let them learn that skill because you can manage that yep. instead of like 20. You can't have 30 kids with woodworking tools. No, <laughs> but, <laughs> not unless you want a lot of blood. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so it's just that and it does get like you just said, the, the children are more a part of their education they're a part of the school like in japan there's 30 minutes set aside for the every every single day that the children clean their classrooms they clean the cafeteria like mm -hmm. it is a part of their exercise i mean it's their school so they help keep it clean there's no janitorial staff i'm not saying we need to get rid of janitorial staff but it's yeah. more a different mindset yeah. of like how do we like you said, help children participate instead of just kind of be there because they have to. Mm. It's required, right? It's ownership. Yeah. And I appreciate like, it sounds like you've done some research on that. And I think teachers, educators having space in the profession to do more studying around this, yeah. to do professional growth, to learn from other countries, to learn from people of other races. And um, we're reading this book, culturally responsive teaching, but I'll admit there's a lot of competitive priorities for like PD mm -hmm. time, right? Um, so right. just like having that time carved out and that space for educators. And um, we're dealing right now with a lack of substitute teachers. So instead right. of PD time, my teachers are covering classes. Yeah. And this is, this is valuable time where we could be learning about some of the things that you're talking about, but because of resources or underfunding mm -hmm. or understaffing, you're pulled from those things. So yeah. um, I appreciate, yeah, you bringing that up. Yeah, it does seem to, you know, I, I, when I think about the things that I learned in, in high school, Mike, I, I, you know, there were some things that I found very helpful. I feel a little intimidated talking to a principal because I feel like i got to watch what I'm saying. But, you know, I'm not sure I used everything I learned in geometry or um, physics classes like those, um, the sine and cosine and all that oh, stuff. Yeah. But I feel like 
maybe there's things that we need to learn in school, just like how to change a tire, you know, right. and like, yeah. I, I'll, and to be fully transparent, I got the home ec award in high school. Hey, uh, Mike. So I did like, I wanted to learn to sew I, and I love the vocational schools where you can learn. Like mm-hmm. my, my dad was a principal. It, it, he was a, uh, he's a retired principal, but he also was a vocation teacher. So he taught small engine repair in mm-hmm. the high school, you know? So I'm, I'm kind of thinking, especially in Philly, there's there's some trades that it would be cool yes. if folks can learn too, you know, not that we shouldn't still learn tangent and cosine and sine or whatever, but you know, uh, yeah. So, um, first of all, I've heard about your sewing acumen. Um, that's, that's <laughs> legendary, Shane. Legendary. Um, now I know, now we know where it comes from. This, this is good. Yeah. Um, but I, I'm glad you said that because when you actually, I, I'd taken some notes that I was going to talk about um, internships and career pathways. And mm-hmm. I think you're absolutely right. I think at a younger age, that's when we want to talk about being creative and something that we, we should change, um, we do need to get students into career pathways at a younger age. But to do that, you need to get the right professionals in the building and you need the right class size and resources yeah. for those students to be trained. Because I agree with you 100%. And there are a lot yeah. of jobs sitting out there um, in the trades in particular that need workers. And, and I think we have a lot of students that want to do those things as well, but we need, we need to make those connections. Um, yeah. but, but to even plan that and do that, like you need someone who's, you know, on site working to make those connections, building those programs. Mm-hmm. And that cannot happen if you have turmoil, if you have yeah. turnover, if you have, yeah. a, you, you have to have consistency. Um, part of the reason I took this job and, and I'll, I'll be honest, it's, it's, in, it's intimidating, but I'm like, I need to be here for a while to see some of these things, exact things that you're talking about, Shane, come to fruition. Um, hmm. I know I know, we're kind of running down on time. There is one last thing I actually kind of wanted to say. Yeah, um, say it, man. It. So one thing I would challenge people in the church to do, um, because this is something I have seen, and, and I've kind of like maybe fallen victim to this as well. I think a lot of times people in the church, outside the city, inside the city, want to create their own thing. Hmm. I would encourage people, there are so many good things going on in our public schools that where I think mm. you have some of the greatest impact is to come alongside yep. the public schools and say, I call it like fill in the gaps. What are the mm. gap areas after school, Friday mm. night, Saturday night, the weekend? Mm-hmm. When do kids need that extra attention, that extra love? It's at those times, right. as opposed to trying to create a whole new school to pull yes. kids away from the school or pull families away from the school. Mm. Fill the gaps. That's, that's my advice to the church. Try to fill those gap times with ways to support your public school, to support your local charter school, um, to support the community and the students. That's the one thing I really did want to hit hit home at. Yeah, that's a that's great, a great closer word, right, yeah. hon? Mm-hmm. And uh, thank you all for listening. Uh, what a great conversation about education with one of the, the wonderful principals here in Philadelphia, Michael Roth uh, at Olney High School. Thank you, my brother. And we'll talk hey, again my soon. My pleasure. Thank, Thank you, guys. To my Thank wife. you, Katie. Nice seeing you again. Yep. <laughs> seeing you. We'll talk to you next week, y'all. Thanks. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Red Letter Christians podcast. Too often, Christians have used our faith as a ticket into heaven and a license to ignore the world we live in. But at Red Letter Christians, we believe our faith is not just about going to heaven when we die, but also about bringing heaven to earth while we live. For more information on Red Letter Christians and upcoming events, additional resources, you can go to the show notes or our website, redletterchristians.org. You can also support Red Letter Christians by giving a one-time donation or becoming a monthly sustainer. Just go to our website and click the red donate button. Thank you 
for being a part of this conversation and for being a part of this movement.